we can see our partner hurting and because we can't fix it, we don't know what the direct way is to fix it and then it fixes, they can sometimes recluse and not do anything at all. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Ain't Week to Speak. Welcome. I love it. I love having you guys here with me. Thank you so much for taking the time every couple of weeks or however often you download the episodes and take the time out of your day to listen to them. I'm really grateful for that. Thanks for being a part of the wider community and thank you for taking an interest in people's lives and their stories from, from right around the world. It's my promise to you guys to bring you you know wonderful people from, from all walks of life who can share really good insights into their own lives and their own journeys that might be able to help you or maybe someone that you care about or just bring you just some some knowledge that you're interested in for the future. I don't know, but whatever it is, thanks for being here. If you're a new guest, welcome. I hope you guys were able to tune into the four-part CEO series that was launched the last four weeks, which you can catch in Spotify or iTunes, podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. They were really, really great. I'm hoping to try and bring another series like that, speaking to different types of professionals in different spaces. You know, mental health doesn't discriminate. And it's it's my promise to you guys to bring you some really good, insightful conversations because I'm very grateful that I even get these opportunities to speak to people. Uh, it's really beautiful listening to some stories and learning so much from my guests and, and you guys as a community. But uh, without further ado, I do want to welcome onto the podcast our next guest. Her name is Courtney McCarty. She's actually from the Gold Coast of Australia. Courtney and I got the chance to catch up. We were connected through one of my colleagues, actually, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on. But really want to talk to Court about some of the work that she's been able to do over the years. Courtney's background, she's a mother. She's got two young ones, a husband. She suffered with postpartum depression and some anxiety over the years. And she's doing a really, really good job today to, to not only manage it, but also inspire and empower other, other mothers and fathers or soon-to-be mothers and fathers and just other people that want to learn from her story. It's very inspiring. It's really, really good to be able to unpack this because I didn't really know too much about postpartum depression until recently. So I want to dive into what actually is postpartum, what are some of the warning signs, how you can manage it, how does it even get triggered, and you know what Courtney does in her particular life to stay well and how important a routine is and all that sort of great stuff. So we'll touch on, on all of that, no doubt, plus a hell of a lot more. So stay tuned. I'm just going to get us straight on the podcast because we don't have a long time. I was only able to steal court for a little bit, but for every minute, I was very grateful and I can't wait to get her on. So let's welcome her with open arms. Welcome onto the podcast, Courtney. It is a real pleasure having you on here. I've heard a little bit about your story. I've checked out some of your work on social media, but I thought I'd leave it all to this conversation today. But firstly, welcome onto the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. It looks like you're back on the sunny Gold Coast, I see. Sun, well, yeah, look at me. I'm in a t-shirt. It's winter, right? <laughs> We're pretty lucky. <laughs> pretty lucky. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's good to put a face to the name. Obviously, 
you know, you've got your own journey and your own story and you're doing amazing work for your own community, especially for all the mums out there and possibly as well the dads and just families. I think that your message probably rings rings true too. So I'm really keen to break that down, find out, you know, where that started for you in your own journey because I know that you've got two young ones yourself. Can you take me through your social media for a moment and share quickly with the audience what your social handle is and, and sort of what motivates this movement that you're on right now yeah right it's so funny i mean instagram social media it's it's changing at such a fast pace every day but i started the account it would have been about eight years ago and it was actually i used to share my triathlon journey so i started an all women's triathlon club on the gold coast it was the first in australia to kick off my best mate revy had crossfit babes which was an all-female crossfit gym I came back from London. I got into that. I was like, this is awesome. But I'd always done triathlon in my teens and early 20s. And I really wanted to bring that into our community. So we kind of, you know, started dabbling in that. And then it became a bit of an opportunity for me to be like, you know what? Like I've been doing all these jobs. I was in sales and marketing for so many years, but there was something in here that I really, I wanted more. I wanted to help people. I wanted to empower women. And I found triathlon, there was a bit of a gap because it's a really intimidating, scary sport to be in for a lot of women or, you know, someone that maybe can't swim or can't run five kilometres. I really found so much like excitement and passion for me to help women of all abilities, all ages, sizes, demographics, mums, older women, you know, people that couldn't swim. Like I just got so much joy out of that. So that was pretty much I had six years of doing that, sharing it through my social media channels, and there was a lot of growth. And I suppose people connected with my trials and tribulations of being a coach, being, you know, just a everyday triathlete. I wasn't, you know, a superstar or anything like that, but it was all about giving it a go and really sharing that message of, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. And I guess since having children, it's been almost like a similar thing, I suppose. I, I ended up selling the club because it was all a bit too much, but I was still sharing my journey, my day-to-day trials and tribulations of being a mum, the ups and downs. And I suppose with that, it got a lot deeper. It got a lot more vulnerable. Like it was not so much the physical challenges that I was having day in, day out, but it was mental stuff, I suppose. That's where my um, vulnerability and passion for sharing the mental health side of motherhood came into the forefront of my social media. And even now it's going through another transition because I've been so passionate about diving deeper into that, you know, dealing with my own stuff, working with psychologists, counsellors, spiritual healers. I've done a whole heap of self-development work, in a child healing. I'm now doing courses. I've studied meditation. I just, I don't know where it's going, but I, all I know is that I just want to support others in stepping into their, their power, their freedom, and kind of just, you know, freeing them from themselves and the craziness that, you know, can obviously consume ourselves. But yeah, that's kind of where it is. It's been a journey and I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm really excited. <laughs> It sounds amazing. It sounds like you're, you've turned into a real life sponge. Sounds like you're just you're taking up all this information and then throwing it where it sticks and then running with it. And it sounds amazing. And it sounds like you, you've certainly made some impacts along the way over the past few years. I mean, this triathlon stuff for anyone's probably scary, let alone getting people there that have never really done it before. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different challenge in itself. What do you find most challenging for from a physical point of view in that regard? Or was it mental as well as physical for you guys and the people that you were training? and coaching yeah definitely i had women that you know might be someone that 
is a little bit overweight or they're a little bit older or they literally cannot swim one length of the pool and the thought of, okay, I can't even swim in a pool. How am I going to go swim in the open water? How am I going to swim in the ocean? How am I going to run five or 10 kilometres after I've, you know, done a decent bike ride? So it's just like breaking through those, those mental barriers and I suppose the empowerment and the motivation comes from the community. It wasn't so much me. Like, obviously, I had to, you know, learn the coaching skills and how to get these people to to achieve their goals. But it came from like a collective energy, I think, where it was like, oh, she can do it and she can do it. And like, we were just, we were the loudest and proudest at every race. You know, it was for some people probably like, oh, I'd be so embarrassed to be in that club. But that's what it was about. You know, we always used to say it's, it's about finish lines, not finish times. Like, forget the times, forget the pressures, like just go and just do your best and have fun. I think that's what it really came down to. And that's why, yeah, it took off. And we had our Tribabes kit and I was sending the kit to America and Europe and people just, yeah, wanted to be a part of that community and that vibe. So, yeah. How many people did you have in the club at, at its prime? At its prime on the goalie, about 40. That's great. Yeah, and then we had another 20 over in Finland of all places. One of our um, members was from Finland and she was kind of in that sports science field. And when she went back, she wanted to create her own little club over there. So they're actually still going. We still have a few members floating around the Goldie and I reconnect with them and ride on occasion. But, yeah, I'm just in this space with a four and a two-year-old where I'm like, I just need to manage my expectations triathlon still a passion and something i'd love to get back into in the future but at the moment it's kind of short sharp like be really efficient with my time and get the best bang for my buck with exercise triathlon is a it's a really big commitment and yeah i love it and hopefully i'll get back into it one day yeah well it sounds like it's it's a muscle memory for you anyway so you'd be able to pick it back up pretty quick you know from when you put it back down and you know, following a bit of your social, done a bit of research, checked out your website, your blog articles and everything else. I mean, you talk about a moment in your life where it was almost like rock bottom and things sort of changed for you. Are you able to go in a little bit deeper in regards to that to filming? Because I actually have no idea about what that was for you. I mean, everyone's rock bottom can be very different. You know, what, what did it look like for you? Becoming a mother, it's a huge transition. It's a huge transformation. I still had my attachment to my club and my members when I had my first child. So I felt like I still had this perception and this attachment to who I was. But having my second child, the pregnancy was really hard. I'm trying to juggle all the things. And she just broke me. She still, she continues to break me, my darling little girl. But I think it got to a point where parenting was the only thing I attached myself to. So I think all those other labels, those other roles, those things I used to love doing all kind of fell away. And what was left was this woman who was in, on Groundhog Day, essentially waking up every day, doing the same thing, cleaning the nappies, screaming kids. Like when I'm talking screaming, I'm talking like screaming from 6am till 6pm at night. She had a bit of a, a few little health things, but that was really like my breaking open. And I remember going for a walk down at Burley. My husband's like, you know, just get out. But she was probably six months old. I had to keep taking my ear pods out because I think it was probably the first time I'd been by myself. And it was like I was having a, a panic attack, I suppose, because I was like, God, if you can't even go for a walk on your own, how bad is this? What What is it that you need to do to, like, you've got to do something, you've got to do something. I remember I got, I walked for five minutes and I went back to the car and I drove to Coles. <laughs> I'm like, Coles will save me, like, because I'm going to go and I'm going to do the shopping. I'm still doing something for someone else. It was like I had just lost all sense of self. I wasn't doing any self-care. I was couldn't really see a way out. So that was, that was rock bottom, Coles. 
<laughs> crying into my crying into my shopping bags. And that outing would have been like probably a big outing for you at that stage. Yeah, yeah, like, by myself. <laughs> for those people who don't know what Coles is, especially for the people listening in America, it's a it's a grocery <laughs> store. It's like a Ralph's or a Whole Foods or whatever you want to call it. Take it on the other end, right? So you're looking at people, and and I see see soon to be mothers all the time walking around LA or whether I'm back in Australia. And you congratulate people and it's something that you should be so excited about and it's so looking forward to it. Like it's this big milestone, which a lot of people almost, I know ladies, especially like women, that's almost like a grocery item on their shopping list that to tick off by a certain age. They feel like they're accomplishing things because society puts this pressure on us all to have family, buy a home and all that sort of stuff. But you're telling me you had your first baby girl and it basically rocked your life. When you're in that moment of caring and looking after a newborn from six to six, especially crying, going through their own challenges, whether it's a health problem or just the challenges of life, husband, yourself, the new addition to the family, what is it in particular? Obviously, time, I get time can take people away from self-care and can take you away from the things that you enjoy in terms of your activities and your triathlon club and all that great stuff that comes with it. But was there something deeper than that though? Like what, what was driving that for you? I think what she brought up the day she was born, oh, shit, Sam, you're going to get me here. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Can you pass me a tissue through the screen? Virtual tissue, virtual heart. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I suppose, I, you know, I had that breakdown. Once I reached out for help, I did a few other little courses before I went and saw a psychologist. So I was kind of thinking, oh, I'll go. You know, I don't know what's going to come up because I'm sure all it is is that I don't have time for myself and it is just, it's just a hard phase of life that I just need to push through. And then, you know, the more I started talking to her in my first session, I said, you know, I'm angry and I'm resentful. I just want my life back, da, da, da. And basically what came of it was unresolved sadness from childhood. And I'm like, right, ripped off that can of worms, opened up Pandora's box. And then from there was pretty much 12 months of deep inner healing work and just going through the motions, I suppose, of so many things that were never addressed, abandonment issues, unresolved sadness, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, as a 35-year-old woman to kind of discover that, it was really, really scary and really confronting, but also your children's are your biggest teachers. And I know that if I hadn't had my children, especially if I hadn't had my second, I wouldn't be who I am right now sharing the message that I'm sharing. So yes, to answer your question, there was a lot more underlying stuff. And um, before we even started this conversation, you know, I kind of mentioned to you that within my family, there was a lot of mental health problems. We've got addiction issues, we've got anxiety, all the rest of it. So I was kind of with my second kind of ticking off these boxes going, am I suffering from postnatal anxiety? Have I got postnatal depression? You know, it is in our family. So I, was, I had the awareness, I had the consciousness around the possibilities of what could be wrong. But the biggest thing was reaching out for help and asking for help. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I'm grateful that you were able to, and I'm grateful that I asked those questions. And thank you for letting me ask those questions. On that note, we talk about predisposition and, and issues that probably come through hereditary or family or whatever it is. That's all cool. And that's something that gets addressed at a certain point if you're willing to speak up and ask for help. Was there a moment with your first daughter 
Was there a turning point for you during that journey or was it the seeking help that was a turning point for you or is it a combination of a bunch of things? It sort of was like, you know what? The turning point was definitely my first session with my psychologist. Like I said, I'd done some work up until that, but I just hadn't got the clarity on the why. I really had to kind of drill down to be like, okay, I've got all these thoughts, these beliefs, you know, like in order to be worthy, I have to be busy. I have to do, do, do. Achieve, 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 do, do, accomplish. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, if I couldn't do all of those things, I was nothing. And I think that's the headspace that I was in, that I didn't prioritize motherhood and being a mother as a legitimate you know, job. I was like, I'm not contributing financially. I'm not doing this. I didn't hang the washing out today. I'm a bad person. You know, it was all this, all this negative, horrible, you know, self-talk, self-doubt. And it was just a cycle. It was on repeat. I couldn't hit stop. I didn't know how to break it down. So I suppose that's where that process of identifying the experiences, identifying where the pattern started, identifying the beliefs. Once I kind of could get all that down on paper, I started I've come full circle now, but I could see I'm like, it's like this domino effect of, ah, okay. Once I started to understand everything a bit more, I could start to develop, you know, strategies. I got all these new tools that I could use. And I mean, I'm talking, this has taken, how old is she? Two and a half years. It's taken me a solid 18 months to be nailing this stuff. I've got routines, rituals that I do every single day to make sure that I'm always on top of my mental health. I'm taking care of my self-care and prioritizing myself. All these things that 18 months, two years ago, I'd been like, that's selfish. You're not worth that. You don't deserve that. Your job is to be chained to the kitchen and to give all of yourself to your family. That's your job for now. If I was still in that mindset doing those same things, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. I'd be miserable. I'd be really miserable. And then I want to talk to you soon about, you know, the strategies that you took to getting back on track and the things that you do daily to stay well and to make sure that you don't fall down that rabbit hole again, so to speak. And even if and, and possibly maybe when you, you do that again, at least you're going to have some strategies there, which is great. So would I be right saying as a mother, there are times during that life or during that term or the relationship, especially when you're, you know, you're putting someone else for the very first time fully ahead of you for everything, you're literally doing everything for them. And then you become now at the back, you're not working, you're not, you're not adding to their family financially, you're doing all these things, but you're doing them for this brand new child in addition, which is beautiful to the family, which is great. But would it be okay for me to say that there would have been times where you resented your daughter and you sat there and blamed her for the way that you feel? And like, like how did you manage that part of it? Because I'm interested to find out because... Yeah, I'm just interested to find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, an, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, I, I'd still have the odd bit of anger and resentment towards my husband and my son before my daughter came along. But when she came into the world, it, it was this new level of intensity. I There were days where, I, honestly, I couldn't even leave the house. I couldn't take my son to daycare because I'm like, I can't. I can't drive the 10 minutes because she's she's screaming at me so loud that I just, I couldn't function. I couldn't move. It almost, it's like a be activating my freeze-flight response where I just freeze. And I'm like, oh, it's almost like, you know, mini panic attacks, I suppose, throughout the day. So my cortisol was just through the roof for months and months on end. And even now, you know, I'm always, I try to advocate for myself. I'm like, it's not happening to you. Like, I'd be like, why me? Why Why are you doing this to me? Why are you crying? Why are you making me feel like that? She's like a six-month-old baby, <laughs> you know, and looking back, I'm thinking, wow, that's just, it was just where I was, I suppose. I was 
in survival mode, I was unconscious to the, the deeper seated stuff that I needed to work through. And like the intrusive thoughts and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, I mean, at the moment I text my girlfriend this morning, she, my daughter's going through another period of, she's just really right. intense. She's got big emotions. She's two and a half. And I know that, but it's quite easy for me to sometimes be like, oh, why is she doing this to me? Whereas now I've got my tools where I can go, okay, she's triggering something in you that you need to work through. She's triggering your healing again. It's another level of me looking inside and going, okay, she's making me feel this way. What does that mean? What is it in me that I need to work through? I may not be able to work through it today or tomorrow because I need to support her with what she's going through, but I need to make sure I tune in and figure out what that is so that when the next big thing comes, I've got that strength, that resilience, that understanding of myself that I can support her, I can support my son. So I think that's my mindset and my drive now for the continual self-growth and self-development because I didn't have that growing up, that, you know, with parents, it's more so my mum's side having mental health issues. And I think that, again, was a trigger in myself, seeing that cycle repeating, going, fire out, I could see how if you didn't have the support and you didn't reach out for the help, how you could quite easily go down that self-destructive, self-sabotaging path of, you know, ruining my future relationships with my children and, and other people around me that I love because I haven't dealt with my own stuff. Yeah, it's very well said. It's very well said. And I'm glad that you were able to go through that journey. It was almost like a turning point in your life that had to happen for you to be able to unpack that stuff and repack it from childhood, you know, so that now that you can figure out that next chapter in your life. So on the panic attacks, the intrusive thoughts, the disconnections from your babies and, and you know, poor self-care, that stuff comes, right, in your position. And this is very common. I think almost one in four suffer with, you know, postnatal anxiety or depression in some kind of way. If I've got my stats right, and I'm not a massive stats man, but I try yeah, to sometimes. It would be, it would be. <laughs> Can you talk to me through the fact of the matter? So say you're on one side getting better and you've noticed that the things in your life that work, I'm talking for all the people who are listening right now, all the ladies listening, they might be pregnant or whatever situation they're in their life or looking to have a family at some point in the future. And then you've got the, the men or, or the young guys that are looking to be fathers at some point in their life. How can they help? How can we help? And how can we help each other? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing is as a couple is just like looking out for those signs. My husband, he's, a, he's an open guy. He was really. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Supportive the whole way through, but, you know, through my social media, I get DMs all the time from women saying, I'm in a world of hurt. My husband literally ignores me. And I think sometimes like me looking at my daughter and her triggering something in me, I think sometimes, you know, within our relationships, 
we can see our partner hurting and because we can't fix it, we don't know what the direct way is to fix it and then it fixes, they can sometimes recluse and not do anything at all. So I think the biggest thing is having the courage to just say, are you okay? What can I do for you today to support you? If you've got your close friends as well, it's just reaching out and, and asking each other for help and support, being open for the help and support. That was one of my biggest things was that I'd grown up having to do everything for myself. So as a mother, I was like, I can do this. I can do everything myself. And let me assure you, one kid you can maybe just Two kids, virtually impossible. So my biggest thing was having to ask for help. And that was even, you know, asking my husband for help, kind of me having to say, you know what, I know your work is your work, but like I need you to come home from work earlier, two nights a week. If that means you go to work a little bit earlier that day so that you're home so that I can put a piece of toast in the toaster to make dinner for these kids, like I need you to do that. Or if you can't, like we need to get support in some way in the form of, you know, whatever that may be, asking family, ordering meals. I suppose it's just being open-minded to that there's, there's always another way. There are choices, there are options. What you are in isn't what you need to accept and just live day in, day out. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, yeah, being there to support and, and talking and just being vulnerable and open with one another. And thank you for sharing that because not as many people are as educated, I don't think on you know going through this cycle of of having challenges especially that are triggered through through the birth of a brand new child that might be the very first child in your life and these things can really not be what they're perceived in the human public you know what i mean people think from the outside it's great you're you're a family now you've got this beautiful house you've got this great beautiful daughter or son and look at you guys look so happy on the outside but there's a lot of pain that comes with that and you've clearly articulated yourself today as to shine a light on that topic which is very real You've spoken about speaking up and asking for help and offering support, but not many people know that people can struggle with this stuff, right? So and if you don't see it, you don't know, right? And it's not really spoken about. There are a lot of people out there that would say exactly that. You look so happy. You've got a family. Why are you struggling? You know what I mean? So can you talk a little bit deeper about that around the stigma? How do we, how do we break down the stigma around this particular topic within mental health? It almost applies to everything. If, if you can go into any situation, whether you're looking at someone having parenting problems, their own personal problems, everyone's feelings and situation and experiences are valid. I feel like we're so quick to come into a situation and judge and say, oh, she's got a beautiful home. She's got two kids. Like she shouldn't be complaining. What are you complaining about? And I feel like that's just a bit of a societal problem. And it's not until you get into the space where you're surrounded by people that speak openly about this stuff or you are following accounts that talk about it or you've got that happening in your your realm or in your community it can be so isolating I mean for me if I go back four and a half years ago when I had my son the things that I'm talking about now four and a half years ago that was not being spoken about online so for the women that were going through it it was a really it's a really dark isolating time i was lucky that i had a community i had my triathlon club of mothers if i didn't have those girls i don't know how my motherhood journey would have gone those first couple of years so i mean i hold a lot of hope that 
there are more people talking about it. There are so many women creating businesses to support other women going through this for this exact reason that it's not spoken about enough. You literally are expected to have your baby, go home and off you go into the world. These babies don't come with instruction manuals. It is so different for every person and there is not enough support in the hospital systems. There's not enough support through our GPs. There's not enough support postpartum. There's not enough talking about it. But I just, I suppose I urge anyone that, is about to become a mother or is thinking about it, just do your research because there are so many women that are, are, like I said, building businesses to support others. The term matrescence, have you have you heard of the term no, matrescence? I haven't, I haven't. Please educate me. If you are listening, you need to check out that term. It's a pretty new term, but like we all go through adolescence as teenagers, matrescence is the process of transforming and transitioning into motherhood. And I feel like for men to understand what that is and for women to understand that, I didn't hear that term until my son was maybe two and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so heard. I feel so seen. Everything I've gone through that I've been thinking about and experiencing and feeling is normal. It is something that every woman on the street I walk past that's had children, who's got teenagers, who's got grown-up kids, has gone through this process. So I suppose it's kind of, it explains how we change physically, emotionally, mentally, like our whole body, our brains, like there's so much change happening. And there's a beautiful woman on the Gold Coast here, Nikki McMahon. She's got a podcast and a business called the Dear Mama Project. She's a matrescence educator. And I remember one of her very first episodes, I listened to it and I was like, wow, okay, every mother needs to listen to this, every husband, every partner, any male that has a child needs to listen to this so that they can understand their partner and what they're going through. So I think just, you know, research, finding good resources, sharing that with people around you if you're not feeling understood. Hey, mum, stepmom or mother-in-law, can you listen to this, guys? I don't feel like you are understanding how I'm feeling right now. Just know that it takes practice to speak out loud how you're feeling. It takes practice to ask for help. But the more you use that muscle, you know, like for training, the more you use that muscle of, you know, speaking out, it definitely gets easier. But yeah, I can definitely see the other side where, like I said, my inbox is filled with DMs sometimes of women struggling to to start this process. And that's kind of, I suppose, where my drive and my passion for it comes from. I've got ideas, but it's coming, it's coming to fruition. But like I said, so many other women on the same train, just so passionate about this and helping others and just bringing it to light because yeah, it's definitely a huge problem. It really is. And it doesn't get spoken about enough. And I reckon all the guys and, and women and men that are listening to this podcast right now, young guys, old guys, young women, old women, doesn't really matter. I feel like there is a lot to have learnt from this episode in itself, especially around shining a light on this topic. And it all does come down to sometimes the basics, like you mentioned earlier, you know, reaching out and asking for help. There is help out there, but sometimes people can't see or they had the wrong idea or they look at someone from the outside and they're very quick to judge, like you mentioned, which is a societal problem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What's one of the best strategies you've used or you've learnt over the years that has certainly helped you in terms of regulating your emotions and bringing you back to the present moment and probably got rid of that fizziness of that anxiety or those intrusive thoughts or that mild panic? Yep. What's really worked for you? I mean, probably a combination of things. I'm probably answering my own question here, but what's worked best for you? It's been definitely a combination of things, but looking back, the most powerful thing, number one, would be journaling. And I'm someone that, you know, three years ago, if you'd said, oh, you're going to be a journaler and a meditator, and I'd be like, no freaking way. Like, I train insane, I go harder, I go home. Like, that was my mindset. Sitting still was just not something that I did. 
And even when I had that first panic attack when Elle was six months old, like stillness and silence was like my biggest fear. I was like, I can't because I'm alone with my thoughts and it's too much going on. So yeah, journaling has been the number one. And that's something that my psychologist, you know, supported from the very, very start. She's like, you know, you need to get onto this. So every day I'm here, I'm with my book. What do you write in there? Like, what do you write if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so every day I start with a gratitude list, five things that I'm grateful for. And then I do a bit of worry journaling each day. So anything that's bothering me, if it's something that keeps coming up all the time, I'll journal about that. So I can just try and identify, you know, what's attached to this, what's triggering this, what's the pattern, what's the experience that has made this a problem for me. And I think second to journaling is meditation and I see meditation as, you know, just giving you that ability to be still and to kind of disconnect yourself from the thoughts, the noise, the chatter. And my biggest learning from it is that, you know, you are not your thoughts. And as soon as I separated myself from everything going on in my head, like I'm the stillness and the thoughts are separate from myself, I then was able to kind of look at everything with curiosity. I say something horrible about myself rather than go, oh, yeah, it's true. I go, Oh, that's a really nasty thing to say to myself. Like, where's that coming from? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's more just looking at everything with curiosity, observing all the thoughts now, writing it down on paper. And it's like being a private investigator to your own life. Like just, yeah, just researching and kind of trying to understand more journaling meditation. But prior to that, you know, it was more the body stuff. I was like, okay, I wanted to nail my eating again, my exercise because I'd relied on that all my life was like, I need endorphins. I need a train that kind of carried me through. I think that stopped me from ever falling too deep to deal with my own stuff. And it wasn't until I had my daughter, the breaking open, and then I had to kind of pull the pieces back together again. But yeah, I'm big on the whole mind, body, soul connection. I'm doing a lot in every area and it does take a lot of work. It can be really overwhelming at the start, but you know, the biggest thing is to just to show yourself compassion, kindness one foot in front of the other and know that you know each day if you can just put one brick just put one brick on there in a couple of years from now you know you're going to have how many years how many days are there in a year you know you'll build a big solid house in a few years time but it just it does it takes work it does take time and it does take trial and error and i think you and i are alike in that regard like i've used training and exercise most of my life because it releases great endorphins and all that but it was never a sitting still and being in my thoughts that was one of my biggest challenges and i've been doing gratitude and and stuff for for a number of years and writing my gratefuls down i like to call them but I've literally been doing meditation now for going on two months and it's been a game changer for me. And I, look, I'll be brutally honest, no switch has been flicked right now, but I can, I can see why this can be so powerful, especially creating space in your brain so that you can digest some of those other feelings. But one of the biggest challenges is for me, and it sounds like it was very similar for you, is being okay with that silence and being okay doing nothing, like intentionally doing nothing could be so much more powerful yeah you, you might bring up demons but they're going to come up one way or another and if you keep suppressing them no matter which way you do that whether it's through being busy or abusing drugs or alcohol or, or, or whatever it is they come back up at some stage absolutely and i'm really glad that you touched on that but yeah each to their own everyone's got their own coping strategies but it's interesting to hear what works for you i had this argument with my husband this morning <laughs> I'm like, so I found this, I found a great guided meditation for you, darling. He just, he just looks at me over his coffee and he's like, 
you're really pushing this aren't you and I was like because I believe so much in it I'm coming up a year of pretty much meditating every single day and the stuff that has come up like some of it it's been yeah like traumas and things that honestly I haven't thought of since since it happened like I'm talking being a little kid and things happening to me which I probably put a lid on I reckon around like you know 12 13 as a teenager like I said that to him just this morning I'm like can you not see where my belief and the power in meditation comes from you've seen me go through this journey I'm like please just (laughs) so he's going to give it a go starting tonight I'm like 10 minutes 10 minutes dull and you know he's someone that he's really positive he's really upbeat he works really hard but that's it our space is continuously filled to the brim with doing living parenting you know we've always got something on our plate and the simple act of doing nothing and even just you know allowing yourself time and space to sit down and read a book a lot of us are like sorry can't do that i cannot give that time to myself but people always find time to do something else you know oh man yeah bar or whatever it is so it's about prioritizing look at your screen time that's the biggest thing i say to anyone if you're telling me you do not have time to journal for five minutes today or meditate for five minutes today can you please go check your screen time and then come back and and honestly say that you don't have time it's so true and it's one thing saying it but it's the act of doing it it's the act of taking action and executing which a lot of people fail at and i want to challenge people right now to listen to what courtney's saying and take that challenge in your life Go and write down gratefuls or commit to trying something new with your meditation or, or exploring something new. Even if it's five minutes a day, it's five minutes today that you would never have done yesterday. And it's all about learning something new, which I think is so important. It's how we grow as human beings. Before we wrap up, I want to just ask you something just to clarify, making sure I'm okay. When I'm meditating, and as I said, I've only been doing it around two months, I haven't had the huge game-changing transition in my life yet, but I can see where it's coming from and I really enjoy it. I feel so relaxed when I do it. I do it every morning. Yeah. So I train, I go to the gym or I go for my run. I come home, I have something to eat, shower, get ready for my work day. But before I do anything work-related, I'm sitting here exactly where I'm speaking to you and I take myself through a 10 to 15-minute meditation, which is on Calm. I use the Calm app. It's guided meditation. It's easy for me. But I'm, through the meditation, I swear memories are coming up in my brain of ones I haven't thought about in 20 years. Is that normal? Yes, yes. Okay, why? Just you're un- unlocking your subconscious. Like, and, this is what, and this is what I was saying to you, that I'm the same. Think of your brain as like a, a computer, right? We're just running programs all the time. They're just running, running subconscious, unconscious, whether we're, you know, I'm going to make my cup of tea, my coffee. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm driving the car. You know, you drive your car, sometimes you get to where you're going and you're like, how did I even drive here? Like you can see the brain is just like the more I learn about it, the more I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. The fact that we have the ability to literally change our thought process to manifest, like we won't talk about manifesting now, but the things that in the last 12 months I've just been able to manifest into my life just through positive thinking, meditation, the journaling and just really Constantly I'm saying, court, drop in from your head to your heart, head to your heart space, heart space, heart space. It's like that intuition, it's that connection to spiritual, to the divine, whatever it is. You know, I still, I wasn't this way inclined at all <laughs> 12 months ago, but I'm, I'm going deep into that spiritual side of things because I think the more that I do, I can see the power, I can feel the power. Yeah, I'm just, I'm forever grateful for the journey that I've been on despite it being really hard. It's side I'm on now and how I 
I feel and the excitement that I feel to be able to share this with others. But it's like, it's making them believe, you know, my husband is going to be the one that I crack. Once I crack him, I'm like, I can crack anybody. Before we wrap up, I, I want to ask you a couple of things. Where can people find you, hunt you down and follow the great work that you're doing? The main one would be a good old Instagram. So it's at underscore Courtney McCarty underscore. I do have a website as well, CourtneyMcCarty.com. I don't share a whole lot on there, but I've got some really exciting stuff coming this year. I've got a meal plan, meal prepping guide because I know that for women, it starts with nourishing our bodies and looking after ourselves physically so we can look after everyone else. I've also got something, a physical product coming, something to do with gratitude. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And yeah, just my mind is filled with so many ideas. I just really want to create things that are going to help others on their journey. So, Well, you're definitely helping people on their journey. And I appreciate taking the time out to speak with you today, Courtney. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. I want to wrap up by asking you one quick question. Can you tell me your top three best pieces of advice that you've received in your life up until this very moment? Oh, best three pieces of advice. I think that will be motherhood focused because they have been my most trying times. And the first thing is you can have it all. You just can't have it all right now. And I have to remind myself of that every day when I start to go on these tangents. If I want to do this and I want to do this, I have to bring myself back into the now and go, you can have it all caught. You just cannot have it all right now. The second thing would be this too shall pass. I literally should have had that like tattooed on my forehead for the first three years of motherhood. I love that. I wrote that down earlier today in one of my thought records. And it's it's so easy to get caught up in right now and this moment being so hard and attaching all these negative labels to this experience in this moment. But I'm learning more and more to let go of that and kind of not label it as good, bad or whatever. It's just it's just a moment in time and this too shall pass and, and the next moment and tomorrow will be a better day and an opportunity for new things. My third one would be to not compare yourself. Don't compare your life, your children, your experience, your home, nothing. Don't compare yourself to your friends, especially don't compare yourself to online and just, yeah, stay in your own lane and, and just give to yourself and grow and do everything you need to do to live your best life. So, yeah. Love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it sounds like you're on a great journey. You've got some plenty of exciting projects in the works and some really good things to look forward to, Courtney. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate your time. Cheers, Sam. Go and kick ass today, whatever you're up to. Keep being a great mother and I appreciate you sharing the, the amazing experiences and your own journey with not only myself but all of us and thank you so much for it. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you keep doing awesome things too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day.